Are you an investigative professional? Did you know you can find the best private investigator resources using investigatorstoolbox.com? This resource community was built exclusively for licensed investigators and investigative professionals. You can network directly with members, educate yourself through free webinars and blogs, and even create your own customizable research library. Membership starts for as little as 49 cents a day. Download the Investigators Toolbox app or visit our webpage at www.investigators-toolbox.com. You guys have been hearing uh, for a long time about how much I love Cross Tracks, but now you're going to hear from somebody else. So we got George Gerges here. George is a member and user of Cross Tracks. George, tell me real quickly what you love about Cross Tracks. The simplicity of using it and the ability to customize everything that you could do with Cross Tracks is awesome. It actually allowed me to take the way that I do my business and implement it into their system. And not only am I able to manage 10 or 15 cases, I'm able to manage 50 to 100 cases with the same effort. Fantastic. So Crosstracks, um, the case management system, they are SOC 2 certified. Basically, that's an encryption, really an upgrade. They're the only ones out there that are doing it. So please support this great sponsor that supports our show. Uh, check them out. The links are in the show notes. Crosstracks, if you're an investigator, you should be using them today. Welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. Matt was at the Nelly conference last week, so we're dipping into an older episode that's worthy of a rerun. Today, we're bringing back Sheila Waisaki. Sheila's been featured on Dateline and A&E Biography for her work in solving cold case murders. She uses a technique called crowdsourcing, where she engages the podcast listener to provide clues to these open cases. And she's known for her Without Warning podcast series. So please welcome Sheila Waisaki and your host, Private Investigator Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. Today is truly, truly an honor. I feel like I have a podcast hero of, of mine joining us today. None other than Sheila Waisaki. Sheila, how are you? I'm great, and thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah, you uh, you run a tight ship. You've got a, a history of podcast material. I told you before we started recording, I was going to tell you how I first found out about you, but I didn't want to tell you until we were live because I think it's kind of funny. So I had my first article published for PI Magazine years ago. I think it was probably 2018 or 2019, and it was like a big deal for me, right? First time I ever got published in, in PI Magazine. So what do you do? You take it down and you... You, you get it blown up and you throw it in the frame and you throw it on a wall. Well, who's the advertising that's on the page that I, that I had for my article? It's your a podcast without a trace. And that was my introduction to Sheila, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, I should check this out. Uh, so yeah, long story short, that's, that's how I first uh, discovered you. Um, it out <laughs> no <laughs> oh no so nope. you have to look at it all the time it is memorialized uh That's and funny. i want to say the other ad on there is the one with uh you and brandy and um a couple other guys like you had a podcast that that when a couple of episodes 
and it failed, it failed miserably. <laughs> failed miserably. It failed miserably. One person was doing all the work. So I blame George Gerges because George is just a, a terrible person. <laughs> oh, he is. George is actually one of my favorite people in this industry. Yeah, George and George. Brandy have bent over backwards to include me. So yeah. I really like them. Yeah, George is actually a really good friend of mine. I, I love George yeah, to death. I love him. He's a good dude. But we can blame George. Why not? I blame him for everything. Whenever like I have technical difficulties, like I just blame George Gerges. Very easy. <laughs> um, so we're not talking about George today, actually. We're talking about you and, and, and your history. And we were kicking around a couple different ideas of what to talk to, uh, about. And we'll, we're going to jump into it a little bit later. But, you know, your um, um, history with podcasting, how you got into doing all this, I think is interesting. And how you got into the business in general, because you didn't take the conventional route. So for those who don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into this business. So I um, got into the PR world because I, my college roommate was murdered and it was in the 80s. Um, I was, you know, in my early 20s and working with the police and nothing happened. Nobody was arrested. She was brutally stabbed and uh, raped and everything was unsolved. Right. They had a suspect at that time. And I kind of worked with the police on getting information. Um, and then it, you know, I got married and moved away. And then um, years later, much long time, right. 20, 20 later, 26 years or something, right? It took to solve it. Well, 20 years later, um, I approached the police again. Wow. And then 26 years later, it, um, we, we got a death penalty uh, conviction. Wow. Wow. That is so, so crazy. So what were you, what were you studying in, in college? So I went in college for my, my husband said my MRS degree, but I went in for psychology. I okay. thought or I wanted to be a lawyer, but, you know, work with um, broken families. Okay. And I didn't finish college after Angie was murdered. Right. I walked off campus and never went back until my son decided to go to college there. Wow. So your son actually went to the same university, huh? I had both of my sons wow. go to SMU and one had a great experience and one had a terrible experience. So you just never know. Wow. That is uh that's very interesting of all the universities they could choose, right? <laughs> Either they love you or they hate you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, day that my son came in, I'll never forget, we were in the bedroom, my husband and I getting ready for bed. And he goes, I need to talk to you. Well, when a kid comes in saying, I right. need to talk to you, you're thinking, okay, hold on to the bed and don't say anything and don't make the face. Yeah. And he said he wanted to go to SMU. And we had gone on the college tour is what I call it. Um, instead of like when I went to college, they threw, you know, $5 at you and you went to college. Right. Nowadays, you go and look at colleges. Big for, business. Yeah. Yeah. Huge yeah. business. And I still don't remember one single thing about that day mm. being on campus or seeing anything. So, you know, I, I hear people talk about that and I actually experienced it. Right. So like my experience of going to my parents and telling them I had to talk to them about something usually meant I wrecked one of their cars. <laughs> that happened a few times. 
funny. <laughs> that I had to talk to you, call and uh, talk. That's funny. <laughs> the good news is I'm fine. I'm not injured. The bad news is <laughs> you got to buy a new car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that happened a few times. Actually, one of my best friends actually wrecked my father's car when I lent it to him to go pick up his girlfriend. Yeah, that was another conversation I didn't want to have. <laughs> so. I bet your parents look back and laugh at that, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with four kids, you've got some things coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's going to be driving anytime soon, so I think I'm okay <laughs> for, the, for the time being. Um, so um, you obviously got involved. You, you helped uh, get the death penalty on this case. So what happened next? What was your next move? Well, I was retiring my license because the only case I cared about was my college roommate and Dateline and a local news um, station did a story on it. Right. And from that, I started to get mail and people reaching out to me and I just started helping. I didn't actually know if I could do it, but I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, you've, you've worked on several cases, uh, more than just one. And, uh, right. and you've, you've kind of helped people close doors, I think is nice, or at least try and get some answers. Um, I, I think I really started t- uh, tapping in on the, um, Christian Andrea Ochio's case. Um, th- that, that's when I, I, I started really listening to, to your stuff. Did I get the name right or I totally butcher it? Christian Andrea. There you yeah. go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save it for well, the professionals. <laughs> No, I mean, it's all, it took me a while to say the name. And yeah. because I'm dyslexic, I'm like, you have to keep saying it to me until I can pronounce it. Right. But, that was the other thing that you told me the other day. And I was just blown away that, that wow, right. okay, you're, so you're a highly you're, functional dyslexic. <laughs> I am. I, I can have workarounds, yeah. you know. That's Don't amazing. ask me to write an article or uh, when I read things, it's painful for everyone, including me. So. Yeah. Um, but Christian's case, you know, I was able to bring in Brandy and George sure. and some other investigators to work on it. With and, me. and George didn't screw it up, right? And George was great. <laughs> for, yeah. But, you know, the, the podcast that came out of that, it was a number one podcast. Yeah. And again, it's changing the whole dynamics of investigations. Yeah. I mean, we got a large amount of tips. Yeah. And then when that podcast was over, the mom asked me to pick it up because there was a lot of unfinished business. So I did. Yeah. So your style of your podcast, the way you do things, it's very Dateline-ish. And, uh, you know, the production is amazing, first of all. Right. And, uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm just all over, I'm all over you today. I'm sorry. Um, I'm like a fanboy. So not true. My production is probably my biggest thing of uh, heartache. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, the thing is, is like you start, you know, we all got to start somewhere, right? So I had the same thing when I start. You go and you listen to like my first 10 episodes and you're like, who's this clown? Like, this is awful. And you're finding your voice, finding your way. But I feel like, you know, the type of product you put out the production, the way you do it, it's like a serial, you know, like, it's like you, you're, you can't wait for the next episode. And there are folks that have really love, 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 love that type of podcast. And it's, it's so much more than just like our profession. It's, it's really for everybody. Whereas like PI perspectives, it's really geared more towards investigators, investigative professionals, people that want to learn more about our industry, or how to do it. Yours is, is, Hey, this is real life here. And, this is how we got from point A to point B. 
and come along for the ride. And it's going to be a bumpy one, right? One thing I, I want people to understand is when I started, first of all, I didn't know what a podcast was. My right. son, who was in college at the time, said, Mom, you ought to do a podcast. And I said, what's a podcast? At your favorite That's, school, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, undergrad, he was yeah. in Seattle. So, <laughs> um, And so he was telling me about all these podcasts. And yeah. I had an intern that helped me. We laid it out. Yeah. And... I left to go to, I'm all, all about learning and education. Even though I'm dyslexic, I can learn. Sure. People ask, can I read? Can I, you know, yes, I can. But I flew up to Philadelphia and went to podcast movement. Yes. And I was walking, I've heard walking, about that. Yeah. Been there. Uh, yeah. And I was walking around with my little jump drive saying, I have a podcast that needs, it was on the 24th of July. And I said, it needs to drop on the 26th. Who can help me? Right. And a vendor helped me. We dropped it at 4.30 on the 26th. I wanted the day that Lauren was found right. that it dropped. And I got on a plane and I got off and I had all these text messages saying, I made new and noteworthy and I made, I broke the top 100 list and I text back saying there's a list <laughs> new and noteworthy. What right. is this? Right. As so, people at that conference are banging their heads and like, Oh my God, like she doesn't realize what she just did. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I tripped and fell into uh, it. Coolest part about it. And this is what it was all about. I had a phone call from a witness after hearing that first podcast, when I got off the plane and I called the mom and I was crying. It's amazing. Bill, yeah. you know, and I what said, are the odds? And it has been like that ever since. That's, that's amazing. So I'm going to throw some podcast trivia out at you. I don't know if you know the answer to this. Right. My guess is you probably don't, but it was I in, it was in the most recent article of PI magazine that I wrote. So if you read my article, you're going to know the answer. Um, I just actually you know what i take that back i think it's going to be in the next issue so i think you're, okay. you're good yeah i think it was my most <laughs> recent article um so do you know who was like one of the innovators for podcasting who was like one of the big driving forces behind the whole technology and and uh you know somebody who really really pushed the format for podcasting it's gonna joe blow rogan. your mind when i tell you joe rogan no no, this is well before. So if you're uh, of a certain age and you used to watch MTV, there was a guy on MTV by the name of Adam Curry. Uh, oh, yes. Adam Curry was this dude that had a black leather jacket. He had like the feathered hair. Like, I'm so jealous how much hair this dude had. So that guy apparently is like the godfather of podcasting. Uh, I was blown away when I found that out. <laughs> He was just on the business station talking about his new venture. Of course he did. He's guys a total entrepreneur, like amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, little known fact, Adam Curry is like the godfather of podcasting. <laughs> it's not Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's just paid like he's the godfather of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, that's no joke. Yeah. yeah it's mind blowing. So I, I remember Joe Rogan years like before he even just started podcasting. Uh, he would be a guest on one of the radio shows that I would listen to, and he was always a good listen. So it just made sense. And and this that particular show started featuring him on the weekends. They would throw his his material up down the weekend, and it really really picked up. Uh, very fascinating. But we uh, I'm digressing here and going in a different direction. Yeah, so, no, I, that's fascinating. Yeah, so we're gonna actually jump out and take a break real quick. And when we come back, I want to 
talk more about podcasting and, and how that relates these days to solving these cases and getting more people involved. Like to me, that's very, very fascinating. And, you know, we'll talk about back and forth of how you're involved now as an investigator dealing with law enforcement and what that looks like on a case that's in the news and has a lot of news value to it. So everybody sit tight. We are going to be right back. Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Are you a member of NCISS? Do you know what this great organization does? The National Council of Investigation and Security Services was formed in 1975 to keep a watchful eye on legislation that affects our industry. Now more than ever, there are data privacy and DMV issues popping up all over the country. Consider joining and supporting this much-needed watchdog for our industry. Learn more at NCISS.org. PI Perspectives. Are you an investigative professional with an international problem you can't solve? Conflict International has the knowledge and relationships to jump in for you. We compensate investigators for referring cases to our office. Contact us today for details. Conflict International uses insight, intelligence, investigation, risk management, and strategic solutions to solve problems troubling individuals and companies of all kinds anywhere around the world. Whether you're planning to hire a person to a position of trust, carry out due diligence on a company, trace hidden assets, or require skilled boots on the ground, Conflict International investigators can seamlessly pursue a case across borders, offering a truly global solution. Find out about our extensive range of services at conflictinternational.com. Conflict International, global reach, international knowledge. Check out the latest issue of PI Magazine, available online or via hard copy. Visit PI Magazine to learn more. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is your host, Matt Spare, and I'm definitely honored to have Sheila Waisaki uh, with me. Sheila, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm honored to be here. Yeah, without warning is, is the podcast, not without a trace, <laughs> which was a mistake okay. I made before. So <laughs> okay. uh, I can throw myself under the bus. All I do it all the time. It's fantastic. So. <laughs> I mean, if they're looking for true crime, they'll find it. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about how does a podcast that goes out into the atmosphere and who knows who's listening to it, how does it solve these unsolved murders? Well, I'll tell you, one of my cases, um, the reason it made it up to the FBI is because guess what? They listened. I remember that Josh Mankiewicz once told me that from Dateline that FBI agents and also law enforcement listens or watches Dateline. And so now I know they also listen to podcasts. So if you're lucky enough for them to listen to the podcast and it has merit, they may take a case. Yeah, I wonder if that's like instructions for them like you know, to consume content you know that's available like if that's taught as like methodology for them I'm, I'm really interested by that it really should be right uh, it should be. 
because a lot of these podcasters out there, they are so good. I'm doing a, um, a commercial for our podcast and I can't wait because the investigative journalist who's done it has done a fantastic job researching the case. Yeah. yeah you got to watch those investigative journalists. They're really good. <laughs> they are great. And I had, than you and I. Yeah, I had Seema Iyer on, on uh, in January. She's a dear friend of mine from college. And she's doing that whole route now, doing the investigative journalism. And she was an, a criminal attorney. I mean, she had a very successful criminal attorney career. And now she's doing this stuff. And it's it's fun because I'm kind of like, you know, not a mentor to her, but like I can point her in the right direction for things, you know? So it's kind of, a, it's not completely new for her, but but we're, we definitely talk shop. But I got to be honest with you, like those investigative journalists, like the obsession is there. They really, really care about, you know, finding out what happened. It's kind of neat. So the interesting thing that I didn't know until I did the podcast is as a private investigator, there are certain things I can't do. So as somebody doing a podcast, I can. Right. So, you know, nothing illegal. So give me an example. Yeah. If you can, <laughs> don't break any I laws. So. I was just thinking, um, I, I don't want to give, I, you know, I'm in the middle of, you've got to catch. Yeah, yeah. Out. Yeah. yeah I'm in the no cats out of the bag today, please. Yeah. So anyway, it's interesting that they have more leeway. When you make a phone call to a city official, if you say you're a podcaster, they will talk to you. Right. If you say that you're a private investigator, they will not. So the idea of podcasting being protected on the First Amendment, right? Like I never thought about it that way. And it's totally, it makes sense. It's genius when you connect the dots like that. Um and you would think that the psychology behind it is they would be more willing to talk to you because you're not law enforcement. You're not, you know, there's no, I guess there's no culpability behind it. They're not responsible because that's ah, just the press. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. It's interesting because as a private investigator, I feel like there's a wall that goes up with city officials right. with, with podcasting. Yes, it's just like talking to a reporter. Right, right. Because yeah. that's what we are. We're reporting. It, it really, you know, I never looked at it that way, but you're definitely right. Um, so what are uh, some of the things that you think, um, some of the other things you think you're able to accomplish uh, by playing that role? I know, you know, we're talking about the, you know, uh, officials being willing to talk to you, but what are some of the other things that you've noticed in the work that you've done? Well, it, taking a case to the public, you get help from the public, you get tips from the public, and I do what is called crowdsourcing justice. And that's where people work in a community and they help work on these cases. Did you trademark that? You should trademark it. Awesome. Of course you did. You're Sheila Wasaki. <laughs> yeah. So my son who is who went to SMU, he's a, a patent attorney. And there you go. Yeah. We need to talk offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. That's great. That's great. Um so uh yeah, I certainly think you can uh, do other things and, and having that that advantage there too. Have you ever had anybody like approach you like for money? Like I've got information, you have to pay me. Did that ever happen? Um, I, yeah, no, I don't do that. Right. You know, if you're well, of course we never do it. But I mean, has anyone ever asked you for that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, you know what? The 
if I ever took all the the tips I get for the tip line and put it into a podcast, you would be rolling. <laughs> People that call, and I swear some of them have to be three sheets to the wind when they make that phone call. <laughs> I'm looking for Wheela Wheela Sayaki. I've got got a case. (laughs) Nobody can ever say my name. That's a whole podcast in itself. Whip Taki, Wayasaki, you know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> from uh, from without a trace of course <laughs> so, there without we go. Warning. <laughs> yeah. i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I know but yeah. that's so funny with hockey from without a trace yeah so. <laughs> no, that, that's that's great i know like sometimes with the personal injury cases we do get witnesses that that say hey i'm not saying anything unless you give me money and my response to them is yeah you'll get 18 dollars because that's a subpoena fee so enjoy right. your subpoena and and if you don't show up <laughs> the the marshals are going to come down and drag you in the court uh yeah. you know let's not be stupid and yeah, we i've had that before I've, I've had witnesses they're great eyewitnesses but then they're like i'm not signing anything unless you give me money um or or do this for me or do that for me and i'm like i can't, I can't do that you know it, that just taints everything it throws it right out the window um and then they get subpoenaed and then I call them back and I'd be like, Hey, would you want to give me that statement? Or would you rather like take a day off from work, probably not get paid. And then, you know, uh, sit in court all day and then, and they give you the statement cause I don't want to be bothered anymore. Uh, Hi. but I, I'll tell you a, a story real quickly. Uh, this is a crazy, so, uh, hurricane Sandy 2012, if you're from New York, you, you definitely know what happened here. Right. So we had this crazy hurricane the uh, water surge uh, out in Long Island came onto land and through towns and, and the salt water got into the electrical system and started spontaneous fires everywhere. I mean, transformers blowing up all over the place. It was literally like a city was destroyed. So I tracked down this eyewitness. It, it was a question of the time that they were, the evacuation came in for the city as to the time when the actual surge had. This guy was like star witness. He was really, really good. And he was a South American guy um, and I meet him and he says, 10 grand. I want 10 grand. What do you mean you want 10 grand? He goes, I came to America to make money. Pay me $10,000 or I'm not signing this, right? I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I'm like, you're getting $18 <laughs> or you'll see American jail, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it was crazy. And, and on the same case. I tracked down a guy who was a pastor for a church and his church burned to the ground. Now the pastor did not file into the class action suit for this particular claim. So he missed the deadline for it. So by the time I tracked him down, was able to talk to him. He's like, I'd like to be a part of this case. And he had some really great information that would have been very helpful. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, but you missed the deadline. He goes, well, if I'm not getting any money, I'm not saying anything because I don't want anybody else to get any money because I'm not getting money. And I looked at the dude and I'm like, you're a pastor. Shame on you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's really, really bad. But he refused. It's really yeah. crazy. I, uh, in one of my cases, the worst, meanest, rudest, unbelievably horrific witness was a minister yeah. of a nonprofit. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to be incredibly, and I always, I always travel in twos. I always have um, usually a former law enforcement person with me, especially right. blind, you know, knocking on doors. Oh, of course. Yeah. And he was 
awful. And I walked away and I thought, okay, I live in this community. I think I can make about two phone calls about how rude you were, yeah. but you know, you just have to let it go. Yeah. It's crazy. You, you never know. Maybe they're having a bad day or something, but you know, people are, messed I don't up. think so, Matt, yeah. that's very nice of you to say, but I think he is a miserable person. I think you just rubbed him the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, he said something <laughs> something offensive was hey, george with you i think george may have been with george, you <laughs> that's what it was i had george we blame george again uh, uh, john, yeah, i'm totally getting a phone call from george by the way after this episode airs it's quick matt come on <laughs> you know you need to ask him how his um suit looks from mississippi when you talk to him. <laughs> okay it's your sucker i can only imagine <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. People that don't know George Gervis are like, all right, come on, people, let's, let's move on, keep it moving. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the things that you came across within these um, investigations that you've, done, that you've done that really, really surprised you that just out of left field that you never would have thought uh, happened that, that just caught you off guard? Well, I'll use the Lauren Agee case. We did not know until um, 2020 aired that there was another person on top of the cliff where she supposedly fell off. Mm -hmm. And that changed the whole trajectory of the entire case. Okay. So people had been kind of hiding uh, a human being, saying not saying he was there, and the police never interviewed him or anything. And he, it's pivotal to the case. Right. right. So going public, I think, is important. And then the cases I get are all so screwed up. I don't get the nice, easy ones that'll take two or three days. Right. I get the ones that take six to 10 years and the, the law enforcement hasn't done their job. Right. And, you know, I say this a lot. We have a law enforcement department that thinks women can't be raped if they're on their period and that shocked me to this day i cannot believe that's the thinking in a law enforcement department yeah somebody didn't pay attention in fifth grade class <laughs> there's sex you know ed what? class in fifth grade <laughs> that is shocking to me. yeah that's that's a little disturbing um, so do you think it's, it's bureaucracy that leads to this problem? Do you think it's just, uh, overwhelmed, uh, by caseload or, or just sheer, sheer negligence? So I've worked with my training came from uh, former law enforcement homicide detectives. And what I learned from the Detroit detective who is now a professor at one of the universities is it's from the top. It's usually the bureaucracy saying, clear it, move on. It's, right. it's not a suicide yeah. it's not, or it's a suicide. Right. I think it's the medical examiner and the police, which I think is a conflict of interest where a police officer says it's suicide. And that's what they write down without doing their due diligence. Yeah, yeah. And I see it over and over again. And Tennessee now has a law that they can't just do that. The families right. can now protect protest and get it reversed well that's what keeps michael Vadden in business right? he gets to travel around and do all that stuff i know right? <laughs> he's, he's a very interesting fellow i've met michael right. a few times right uh but yeah that, I, that's crazy the problem it, yeah. our system can be so much better yeah and i hear people say all the time it's the best system out there mm, i don't think so we can do better right 
Yeah, I mean, I think we can always do better, right? Um, even in our industry with training and things like that, you know, as, as good as we are, and, you know, I've got 25 years worth of doing this stuff, and I'm I'm not too good at what I do sometimes. I got this one uh, client of mine that constantly sends me back out to, like, do follow-up extra photos and, and all this other stuff. Like, it's never perfect. And when he does it to my staff, I tell them, like, don't take it personally. He does it to me, too. It's, it's all good. It's part of cost of doing business he'll he'll pay he'll pay me to go back out and do it so it's never one of those go out and redo it and do it for free it's like no i want it to capture this way you need to do it and uh, honestly it's made me better um at, at my craft uh, because he's invested in in correction for me and i think on a whole you got to be willing to have um someone invest correction into you you got to be receptive to it otherwise you're never going to get better at what you do so that's that's really important well i think that's a hugely important point is you have to work with your clients. Yeah. And in my cases, my clients are very involved where a lot of times law enforcement won't listen to them. Yeah. My point of view is who knows their child better than them Yeah. and their friends. And why wouldn't you listen to them now? Sometimes parents don't know everything. And right. in every one of my cases, I found out stuff that they didn't know. Does it change the case? No. Yeah. You know, also, you know, going back to what you're saying earlier about um, how people react differently to a podcaster as opposed to law enforcement or, or a city official or anything like that. I think dealing with the family, I think often you can develop a lot more information from them because it's just a different dynamic. There's a, a, a better comfort level. They may be more receptive to answer your questions um, or, or even just be not as guarded with their answers. I mean, have you experienced that or, or am I just going from left field here? I, so with my cases, I start out as the private investigator and because of Lauren Agee's case, I became a podcaster. So oh. I was first three years of a private investigator and because I couldn't move the needle forward, we had to come up with something else. And that's right. something I do figure out a different way to approach it. Yeah. And what I've learned is the media. Now I've had some bad uh, media in my day, but, and I've also dealt with some terrible producers in right. my day. Right. But I believe the media helps cases, whether they put on a terrible show or a good show, it brings light to the, the case. Yeah. Breathes life back into something, you know, especially these, these older cases. Um, it's very interesting. There's a guy up in New York uh, I'm friends with, a guy named Gil Alba, that does a lot of missing person investigation cases. And he's he's talked to different events about it. And, you know, being able to solve these, uh, you know, older cases or missing person cases, it really takes, um, it's a skill. It's something that, that you don't learn overnight and, and uh, you know, different ways to look at things. Um and not, not everybody has the patience for it, you know. And, and you know, it's like, I've got to say, majority of the time, it's not going to turn out the way that, that you're hoping it's going to turn out, right? And you no. Gotta, and, and you got to live with that, right? Well, and this is the way um, I'm working a case right now. I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. I do not know what happened. But we will know what happened when I'm finished. And that's what I tell the families. Go through it with me. I have steps and stages. I know what you're going to be the roller coaster you're going to be on, but I'll walk you through it. Right. And, you know, we're, I'll tell you what shocked me the most in a case recently is law enforcement got a subpoena and they altered the 911 call. And I'm telling you, we have the original. 
why would law enforcement go to that trouble right. with a subpoena? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's mind blowing. Um, so, uh, using the podcast as a medium is a great tool. Obviously, um, how do you feel about social media and using you know the, the social media handlers out there to get the word word out too? Is that something that I you think it. works or? I I got a missing little girl back because of this past summer. I posted and posted and I, because I'm in the podcast world, I hit the influencer in podcasting and they started posting and it took off. And I think it was three or four days later, she, she, we got her back. Wow. You are an Amber Alert system. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I, that's not, I told the, it was a, my former neighbor um, yeah. called me from California and said, can you help? And I said, I don't know. Let's try. Yeah. So why not try things? You got to at mean, least try. Yeah. Well, look at the podcast I do with the investigators. It was a complete failure, but at yeah. least we tried. George. George. <laughs> yeah. I will say George. in that respect, it was not George. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not uh, naming names here. We'll just say George. Yeah, I, I won't. But it was not George. <laughs> um, so, uh, it, very interesting that that you're willing to try these new things and do these new things. I think it's it's pretty amazing. Um, so, let's say that I'm an investigator and somebody calls me with a case I'm working on and I'm stumped. And I, I want to try doing some of the things you, you have done here. What would your suggestion be? How, how do you go about getting the word out on a particular matter that you're trying to gain information on? I would immediately look and see who the influence people are, who are the most influential people in that area mm-hmm. and reach out to them through social media. You don't have to go public with it. You can, you can directly message them right. and see if they'll help. Now, some of them are fantastic at responding and some are not, but right. you also know who they are right. um, and see if they could start getting the information out. Um, I There's a great group of podcasters in true crime. I actually am honored to know most of them right. um, that will help. So somebody had sent me a link the other day for an app. Um, they, they wanted to like showcase it. Maybe I'm an influencer now. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> and I got invited to go. to go to this. I think it was called like uh, Detect Eye or something. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've heard about it, but it's they've created this app and this network for missing people. I regret that I missed the showcase because I had a prior engagement because it sounded like something that was interesting. But yeah, apparently they're trying to create this this network uh, using an app for missing person cases as like a resource for family members who don't know where to do or, or who to contact or what to do. And for other investigators that are trying to gain information in particular areas and countries, right? So... Very interesting concept. Um, I hope I got the name right. I think it's D-E-T-E-Y-E, if I remember correctly. But that is, again, technology pushing things forward. And this is the world we live in now. And as an investigator, these are tools for your toolbox, right? You have to really start doing and and, and, um, uh, accepting that technology is here and technology is your friend, right? Right. so, I mean, obviously you've got some, some uh, years behind doing this stuff. So what are some of the changes, other changes that you've seen that have made things a lot easier? Well, I think that, um, I think the public getting involved, 
you know, before they sat and watched TV, IDTV or Dateline. And now they're actually involved. And I know in my community, we bring in real cases, real time. Families are involved. I do a Zoom every Monday night with these families and we have broken different groups up. And it's, I mean, I could have two people or I can have 500 people, you know, it just, um, it depends on the case, how, you know, if it's a news one that's on Dateline, then, you know, I'm going to have a a gazillion people involved, but having the, and let me tell you the demographics of the people, generally they're 84% women, Mm -hmm. they are college educated and they're, I have former DAs, I have um, attorneys, I have um, criminal justice majors, professors. I mean, it's a amazing group. I've had 20 females become PIs because of that group. And that's, I have four on the way. I feel like I'm giving birth. Yeah. Look at that. It's so, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. You should talk so, to my friend, Brianne Joseph, you know, down in Louisiana. Yeah. yeah Brianne's awesome. I'm uh, very into that yep. uh, female power because, yep. you know, it's a little male dominated. A little world. bit. I, I guess say though, not so much anymore. You guys are catching well, up. You keep cranking out 20, you know, another four. It's uh, the numbers are starting to balance. <laughs> I have yeah. a goal and I yeah. want a seat at the table. And, yeah. you know, I've never had a seat at the table. I still don't have a seat at the table. You I got to tell you, uh, speaking to Brianne, the first time that I met her, she told me a story that just horrified me <laughs> where she was going to some state association thing. Right. And she's literally one of like two females there. So here she is, she's at her state, uh, state association event and she's African-American female. She's got uh, pretty much one other lady there with her and they're sitting at the table and they, during the networking time, everyone's exchanging cards and not one person would take her card. And uh, you know, not even the lady sitting across from her who said, no, that's okay, sweetie. I don't, I don't need it. You know, and like this is this wasn't, you know, 60 years ago or 30, 40 years ago, like literally 15, 17 years ago. And, um, you know, it's it's crazy. But I I feel like there there's been a shift, you know, and now she's like she told me it it was great. Uh, She's like, you know, that just inspired me to just, you know, do my business like 20 times better than any one of those people at the table. And she did, you know, which is amazing. Uh, That's good stuff. Matt, we, I, I, I'm not going to get in the male female thing, but it's a male dominated world. And I'm on to, I will tell you the, I go to conferences. I usually sit in the back. I don't want to talk to anybody, but I only because when I went, nobody in the position of president, vice president, or whatever, ever reached out to say hello. Yeah. Brandy Lord was the only one who ever spoke to me at anything. Brandy is a gem. So the first time I went to NCSS, I was there uh, attending their their meeting. I'm not even on the board. I just, I just went early. I was like, oh, I'll sit on the meeting. Brandy was the first person who came over, introduced herself to me. You know, it's just great. I love Brandy. She's amazing. She made sure that, you know, everybody there saw Matt, the new kid from New York, you know, who's, who just, you know, joined NCISS and is here on on behalf of his state association and whatever. So yeah, Brandy's good people. Uh, She did not ruin that episode (laughs) (laughs) or that show. (laughs) Shout out to Brandy. Uh, So I want to kind of reel it back in with technology because I did have a couple more questions before we wrap up here. So 
Have you ever used something like Citizen, the Citizen app, and have you found it helpful? So I have not used any apps at all. Um, I, no. Are you familiar with Citizen and what it does? Okay, so Citizen is very, very, very interesting. What it does is it sends you an alert if there's any type of news emergency or any kind of like fire accident, anything like that, where uh, if it's you're in the area, so you have your location services turned on. If you're within that area, it sends you an alert and says there's a fire down the block or there's an accident, you know, car accident down the block. And they encourage people to go and take video and essentially become reporters. So it's really fascinating because they're on the scene and they're providing real-time footage of the positions of the car, how the fire is burning, you know, how they're fighting the fire, like stuff like that. Like there's really these nuggets of information that nobody would ever think about. And the thing that I find about social media, and I I love to use it as a tool. I I had this whole thing going with electronic canvassing a couple of years ago. And I believe that's the article that I wrote that you were advertised on underneath my first article for PI Magazine. Uh, So electronic canvassing is, you know, finding these people that are commenting or posting on Citizen and things like that. And then going, they go on with their life. Nobody knows they exist. Police report, you never put them in the report because they're gone by the time the cops arrive. But if you do the research and you know where to look, you can reverse engineer and find them. And they want to be part of the narrative. And that's what I find. Like when you find eyewitnesses like that, especially on social media, they want to be included in the story. And, you, you know, they want to get their quote unquote dang court or their way to say something. And they're, they're always willing to sign because they've already posted about it. They, they've already inserted themselves in the narrative. Now you just got to know how to extract it and, and, and make it in a way that you can use it. Right. It's fascinating. Really, really cool stuff. So I read that article and we just, I cannot believe that was you. Yeah. I didn't realize that was you. Again. You were too busy looking at the picture yourself underneath. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> what I was doing. No, the reading is, you know, I didn't realize that it was you. So I yeah. got to tell you a, this is an aha moment for me because we went back and on quotes, we, we, and comments, we went back and I was able to, this is no kidding. I was able to locate someone who had background on one of my suspects and went to her work, knocked on the door and went in and spoke to her. And she's like, how did you find me? And I said, you posted. Yeah. So by the way, I did not know that was you until seconds. There we go. Right. The world comes full circle. Yeah. So I'll tell you uh, another crazy thing. Like the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is literally because of that article. Right. So I wrote that article. Francie Kaler contacts me and says, that's a really interesting article. Would you like to come on my podcast and talk about it? Sure. I go on the podcast and talk about it. She said, this is great. Can you come talk to to Callie for our our, our annual event? I was like, California, of course. I love it. Let's go. Well, it was in Vegas, right? So I got, I got another trip to Vegas. Um, and then I got bit by the podcast bug being on Francie's show. And I'm like, I would like to do this one day. I just don't have the time for it, right? And I put it off and put it off, put it off. And one day I finally said, you know what? I'm doing the podcast show. And that was in September of 2019. Uh, and the rest is history, right? So uh, that's great. Yeah, that's really the world. I mean, it, it's interesting. I don't know any more than I did when I started, but I do know this. 
it helps families investigations it 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 brings cases to the forefront yeah. and solves cases yeah and i think this is a great place to wrap things up so sheila <laughs> i want to thank you so much for coming on again this is like a little fanboy moment for me just because of it, your 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 work you know the things that you do and the, the show and and all that it's not the show that i do but I respect the heck out of it because it serves its purpose and it does what it does. And it, it's good. You know, it's, there's no other word for it. So thank you. Uh, how do folks get a hold of you if they had any questions or, uh, or anything? I'm on social media, of course, you know, right. at uh, Scrappy Mom PI. I wouldn't give that up. So yeah. that's my Twitter or Sheila at SheilaWysocki.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for checking out this encore edition of the show. Sheila's always a good listen, so it was good to bring her back. Also, a special thanks to Crosstracks, PI Institute of Education, Conflict International, and NCISS for sponsoring the show. So please support our great supporters. Have you thought about joining the Investigators Toolbox? Now's the time to get on board and join the fastest growing digital community for investigative professionals. Just use code PIP201836 and save 10% when you join. If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll return next week with a brand new show, so make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.